Hello and welcome to Normal Mapping episode 105. I'm your host, M, and with me is my regular co-host, Jackson. Hello. It's video games, finally, again. We're back here. Once again, video games have occurred to us. <laughs> they, they sure did. Uh, you know, we're here to talk about a game, but did you play anything other than this game? Um, I mean, yeah, but it's nothing interesting, unfortunately. It's just me going back to playing sports games. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, what's a good is, sports game uh pro evolution soccer well i've tried i after so if you may if you've listened to amory school which not everyone here will have done uh, but you don't need to do that um uh, i will you would know that i have recently been talking to molly enough about baseball that it's infected my youtube algorithms and now i'm beginning to understand and enjoy baseball okay. uh, so i played some mlb the show which is a game that we always thought we would <laughs> like maybe cover one day and then eventually decide not to uh when the idea of covering a sports game no longer held luster. Um, but it, that's a, that, is, that is a cool sports game, I guess, as they go. Uh, it's helped me understand the rules of baseball, even if I'm very bad at this, this sports game. It's, it's weird playing a sports game about a sport you don't know the rules of. Like, I, I'm getting them now, right? Like, but when I play a football game or a basketball game, I know those, uh, I know those sports. So I know what I'm trying to do. Um, the game has been helpful in helping me like, learn the rules of baseball beyond hit the ball and run. Uh, but it doesn't but only through the act of like playing it right like it doesn't actually do the work the game assumes you already care why else would you be playing mlb the show this is like when i played fifa and you had to explain to me what offsides meant exactly exactly it's exactly that and like yeah. if you push through it it'll 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 get you there quicker but you're always thrown in the deep end the first game i was like the hell's going on i can't hit any of these balls i don't understand the timing on the swings um i don't understand why some people are out and some people are not out do you have to be touching the the, the base do you have to tag the runner which, which sometimes they just touch the base sometimes they tag the runner i don't know i still don't really you know need, the difference you need there. to go play ken griffey jr's baseball for the SNES, the obviously. SNES. <laughs> and tell you if it's one of the best video games I've made of all time. Yeah. Um, but now I've just been just been playing playing that for ever again. And, you know, sports games are fun. I put on a podcast. I enjoy the the sports game, and it's, it's a good time. But I don't have anything like interesting critically to say. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing still, but uh, that's just Animal Crossing. Um, yep. They need to add more updates. I feel like. I, I need more. The way the shops uh, rotate in that game is broken. I feel like fundamentally it is bad, um, and they need to change it. That's that's my hot take on that. Um, I, I'm worried that people are going to look back at New Horizons as a bad game, not because it necessarily is, but like you know, everyone was super into New Leaf. Like that game was adored for months on the timeline. And yeah, I mean, part of that is because, reception. you know, uh, New Horizons is built to be, like, a live game, right, in the way that mm -hmm. New Leaf was not. Um, but also, like, the, the thing is, everyone's going to be the Steam review, 300 hours do not recommend. Right, yes, yes, yes. Because you've all played, everyone who's complaining about it has played it 500 hours now. Yeah, I'm, like, at 160, I think, something like that. Exactly. <laughs> Slowed way down, but I'm doing, like, I got my town most how I want it. I kind of want new furniture ideas and see if they put in new shops before I do any more big expansions. So I'm just kind of sitting here, watering some flowers, getting hybrids. The game I did play, I put about two hours into uh, Astral Chain. You did right. That was this month. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, it's been a, it's been. We'll talk about it at, in this podcast, but it's been a rough, rough, rough two months, really. Oh god. Uh, yeah. Um. 
which is the platinum uh cop action game for the Nintendo Switch. Uh and it's a weird game in that you it's a character action game in which you mostly spend your time like directing a the demon that is leashed to you to attack uh as your character kind of clumsily dodges and moves around to avoid attacks and makes some you know attacks of your own but it's mostly about guiding this leashed uh, like being to like leap forward come back or join you in circling around an enemy to paralyze them because if you loop around them with your chain then they're locked down and you get free combos off them which is the, the coolest mechanic also if they rush you you can use the chain to like toss them uh, like you know like a yeah. um i don't know the kids game where you rush at someone like a line of people but bulldog um, i'm not gonna know because all of your terms are gonna be wrong <laughs> <laughs> do, do you mean bulldog wait hang on the, the game where there's so all the kids line up on one wall there's one guy in the middle you all rush and you've got to get the other wall any guy he tags is now in the middle and you repeat until the process ends is that a game you mean because that's bulldog. Uh, that's British Bulldog. Yeah, there's a different name for this that's like less formal in America. So okay, I mean, th- I say tags. I mean, uh, tackles to the ground is the also yeah, yeah, the yeah, other one. No, I know. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. That that's my term for it. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I don't remember what I, I don't remember what they call it in mine either. So you but know, that's the game, right? That's the one you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um. But uh, it's fine. Uh, it's not like a stupendous game. It doesn't seem super interesting. The part where like the idea is like, oh, you're you're micromanaging this other character that does all the attacks for you while you kind of just move around is like, I get how you make that choice, but also it means that the game is not like fun in the way character action games are. Like, let me do a combo. Let my dodge be better. <laughs> like, I need I, the mobility is the reason I like this genre. So yeah. Th- when I played like 90 minutes of it, I also thought that it was a strange combination of ideas in just like a weird platinum mess. Uh, like simultaneously too much and not enough in the combat, really. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was overwhelmed by all the uh, like leashed creature controls, but also I, I, my combo was three hits. <laughs> um, yeah. And I assume that gets more complicated cause it, as it goes, but the story was terrible, so I didn't, I didn't really carry on with it. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm gonna go back to it. I, you know, I'd like to see because it looked like it was just starting to open up into like you know walk around the city, do stuff, mm-hmm. um, upgrade your monster, or whatever. Um, when I stopped, the, the very protracted tutorial, like very linear set of uh, missions that first two hours. It does not surprise me. Yeah. I feel like games need to move away from trying to tutorialize you for hours and hours. It's just not, it's not as fun. Uh, look, it's just usually what's going to happen, especially if it's like a Japanese It's a platinum game. game. Um, sure, but it's like got a weird mechanic and they'll, they'll even Let platinum me games- talk to you about Bayonetta 2. Uh, Bayonetta 2 explain, it assumes you have played Bayonetta 1, which I mean, even Bayonetta 1 basically just opens up like, you know. Yeah. I guess you can like do the moves immediately, but that game that game takes a while to, to get going. The game literally opens with you falling down that clock tower, just like doing. You got all of your abilities at that point, basically. So it is unfair to compare other video games to Bayonetta. <laughs> it's made by the same company. I know, I know. I, I mean, if if uh, Astro Chain with another Bayonetta, I'd have played it already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bayonetta three is never coming out. It, no, they've confirmed Bayonetta three is in development. Shut up. <laughs> It, it, it will come out it will it'll come out i'm just i'm worried yeah. i'll be disappointed by it more than i'm worried it won't exist 
By that time, I'll be so desperate for anything that I will settle for whatever they've got. Uh, we haven't played Devil May Cry 5, so we can't get involved in that debate. Oh, sure. I need to play Devil May Cry 4 first. So. That's true. Ah, damn, that's a good game. Bayonetta should get a uh, sword that is a bike that re- revs. It's a, good, it's a good gimmick. I mean, maybe that's in Bayonetta 2. You wouldn't know. You didn't play it. <laughs> I played Bayonetta 2. You can only do that on the other podcasts. I, this is our video game podcast. If anywhere I can do this, it's here. I've played Bayonetta 2. If you're listening, I've played Bayonetta 2. <laughs> Jackson played entirely with just base-ass guns, so ask yourself, did they really play Bayonetta 2? I'm here to tell you no. <laughs> well, uh, the, the debate rages to this day. <laughs> it's not a debate. Everyone <laughs> Um, do you have anything else that you want to just get into the get into the game club this month? Nah, let's just get into uh, the game. Zero is a game about uh, trying to make a delivery across a strange, magical, realist, non-existent highway called the Route Zero in Kentucky. Uh, you play as Conway, who has been directed to deliver the antiques to Five Dogway Drive and travel the Zero to make this delivery. On the way, uh, you meet up with multiple interesting characters. Uh, you meet up with Shannon Marquez, uh, who is a uh, woman who is looking for her, her cousin. Uh, you meet up with Ezra, who is a uh, kid who lives in uh, a massive abandoned museum. Uh, and has a brother uh, that is a huge bird that can answer the phone, obviously. Yes. Of uh, oh, you know, his his uh, his brother's called uh, called Julian. Uh, you run into uh, two like uh, android musicians uh, called Johnny and Junebug who are just traveling through trying to uh, trying to play a gig, and they end up accompanying you with, with the journey on the zero. Um, and you also run into uh, like. Clara on the boats and stuff. You know, there's um, 
You mean the characters that don't matter? Yeah, there's so many characters. Like basically, you go through this journey, you pick up characters along the journey um, as you're trying to make this delivery. I'm, this is the broadest summary because like the game's about the vignettes that happen along the way, uh, but you go to make this delivery. Eventually, uh, in Act Four, uh, on the boat, because uh, that's part of the journey, uh, Conway ends up leaving the party for bummer reasons, uh, which. Uh, We'll not get into right now, uh, and so the Conway, uh, the part, the party minus Conway makes it together uh, to Dogwood Drive at Act Five and discovers uh, a strange house that has appeared in this old company town uh, where the company had moved out um, years ago, and people had continued living there trying to uh, get by. Uh, the night, the night you arrived, unfortunately, this town has been hit by a flash flood. Um, and uh, you arrive as the surviving uh, members of here to bury some horses and metaphorically the town before they leave or stay depending on some of the choices you make uh, in in your final um, in your final act there but that's the broad strokes what happens in Kentucky Route Zero really it's about the journey along the way meeting uh, as like weird strange people strange situations and told through like magical realist vignettes as you travel along the zero yeah that's about sums it up um, also yeah. it's about capitalism <laughs> also it's about capitalism it's about capitalism um, which, you know, bears special mention because it is the, the thing that the game is actually about. All of the plot is just in service of showing you endless permutations of people affected by their towns close, drying up and closing down and jobs going away and yes. not being able to afford healthcare mostly, but like housing and food and, you know, everyone's failing to thrive in uh, the most fundamental ways because no one has any fucking money unless they just, you know, work away at some job that they will kill them. Yep. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's like the act one opens on a mine accident uh, and you visit the remains of that and Conway gets injured, his legs hurt and you go, you have to go see a doctor because by act two he is limping uh, pretty badly um, and the doctor fixes him up, but in doing so he gets put into debt um and his you know his fixed limb is now like this metaphorical representation a glowing like radioactive skeleton limb um and it puts him in debt to the, the distillery that slowly owning all of this area and everyone who works there just has to endlessly work off all this debt they have and they're all they all just turn into these glowing skeletons and um, Conway also starts to succumb to, you know, the weight of his debts as he becomes more and more a glowing skeleton man until yep. he leaves, which is what yeah. finally pulls him away. The skeletons just ride up in a boat and he gets in and goes off with them. Yep. It's kind of like quiet and understated, uh, midway through act four, well, towards the end of act four, uh, yeah. he just gets in the boat. He's a skeleton now and that's it. No coming back for Conway. No. Um, so yeah, um, do you want to talk a bit about how we originally were going to approach this game and why that ended up not working out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. This is going to be a weird episode, by the way. <laughs> we yeah. didn't really say that up top. Uh, so our original plan, because we love we love a gimmick here. Um, we, we love do. to make plans. We, uh, enacting them, less so. But making plans are so good. Making um, plans is so easy and so fulfilling, but then you have to do the work. <laughs> then you have to do the work. And our plan was to record five 
short episodes about Kentucky Route Zero, about each of the acts, and you know, we would do the uh, intermission that came out before each act as part of, you know, we'd do intermission one and act two, intermission two, act three, and we'd go down um, across these segments and not only talk about Kentucky Route Zero, uh, but also about how games changed in the massive amount of time, because uh, Kentucky Route Zero, the, like, it came out when we started Abnormal Mapping, which was years ago now. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we thought that would be like a nice, nice way of uh, looking looking back at the last seven years of video games. Um, but then we did one, um, and then we didn't do another one of those. <laughs> yeah, there's a lost half hour of us talking about Kentucky Zero Act One that honestly is not really good enough to put out, so we won't. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, because like it turned out that like talking about these uh, vignettes in such high highly specific nature also cut out uh was a me trying to summarize the plot and i said too many things because there's so much going on but it's all kind of repeating the same points and uh the you know if we did five podcasts they'd be very repetitive because <laughs> yeah in the first podcast we're like yeah this is like a story about capitalism and ghosts and uh you know what what what's left behind in the wreckage of american like you know decline um and two problems with that one, the entire game's about that, just in bigger, louder and louder as time moves on. And yes. two, uh, you know, part of the idea was like, let's appraise what gaming was about in 2013. And if you look back at 2013 and like people's thoughts and what we were saying and what other people were saying in 2013, no one was talking about games that way. <laughs> no. Um, like when people, when people, when, Tucker Zero Act One comes out, people are writing about like, oh, this is cool, kind of weird. Like people were harping on the magical realism part and not like the thematic base that that builds off of. Um, you know, it's kind of weird. It's kind of like Twin Peaks or whatever. It's, it's about different things, but it, you know, it's got similar weird stuff happens tone. Uh, look at all these written vignettes as you travel along the road back roads of Kentucky. Because there were a lot of them, and and you know it was novel, um, and you know it's a it's a game that's dialogue driven, but not in the way that like a Bioware game is. Like you never, there's never a branching conversation path. You never circle back around. There's no solution, and there's very little response to like the idea that like what you put in is gonna like give you something unique out the other end. It does yeah. sometimes, but most of the time it doesn't. You just pick the choice that you like, and the characters will respond to it, or they won't. Sometimes they just keep going as if you said nothing at all. Um, but in like a literary way, not. In they don't care what you said way um because it's art <laughs> um and and it's just it's just strange and it, it exists for you to like look at and appraise and go through but um in terms of what video games were especially in like 2013 it feels very like confidently different and yes. willing to be off-putting in its own way um and then you come to 2020 where we've had years of games already inspired by kentucky Road zero <laughs> We've had years of games, uh, you know, uh, you know, inspired by Kentucky Zero. We've had the actual return and recompletion of Twin Peaks uh, that happened at some point. <laughs> there was also way more explicitly about this sort of stuff uh, in a way that the original Twin Peaks was not. Uh, we have like the whole genre of Americana style games. Like you can go play Night in the Woods and, uh, you know, Walking Dead happened to everyone. Uh which is, you know, to a greater or lesser extent about this stuff, even Life is Strange, stuff like that. Like, all those games exist on this metric of talking about what life under late capitalism is like as the world dries up. And those are, like, big games. Like, The Last of Us is about this shit. Yes. Um, 
And that's like the biggest game on earth. Um, not to mention the hundreds, if not thousands of games on itch and in, you know, the back ends of steam where uh, no one buys games anymore. Um, like the, the steam economy itself became Kentucky Route zero in the time since Kentucky Route zero launched. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> um, which is just the most depressing possible feature. So we found ourselves like, you know, I, I played the second one and I was like, Jackson, I don't know if we, we want to do this. I don't know if this is the right choice. Um, no, Cause yeah, after the second one specifically, I had nothing to say that I didn't already say back one. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and, and so we were like, okay, we'll just cover it like normal. And then we played, then I played Act 3, and Act 3 is an incredibly long, different thing. Uh, because by then it was, you know, it had been a couple of years, they had justified the length, because, you know, the first, second one came out like, you know, same year as the first one, and then it was two years until three, and then more years until four, and five took forever, and they're building on stuff, and they're making those interludes, and we'll talk about the interludes specifically for sure, but, um, the game grows in size because the expectation is that will grow in size because it's taken so long. You can't release Kentucky Route Zero Act 3 and 4 the same size as Act 1 and 2 because they took three years or whatever, and everyone would have been very mad about it. Um, but as someone playing this game in 2020 when the whole thing is just a video game, uh, you come on Act 3 and suddenly it's not five scenes to every act. It is 11 scenes to every act and you're sitting there and you're like, I have to go up to this computer, turn it on. It doesn't work. I have to leave, find a password for this computer, go back, turn it on, explore a thing, be like, that wasn't actually worth my time in the first place. And then it will tell me later in an entire other scene how I got that password because that was shown from another character's perspective who wasn't there when you went to get the password. Yes. Um it it's uh it's it's wild, especially in like the way the game formally evolves, right? Like because the first thing you do in Kentucky Route Zero is you have to uh find an address on a computer. Yeah. And you do this by turning on the computer and you can only turn on the computer by getting like a thing and there's guys sitting in the way because they're playing a card game and then you have to turn off the light to find their glow in the dark dice and then when you get come back oh, they mysteriously disappear it's like oh a video game like and but that's the only scene in the game where you do this but yes originally it like presents as an adventure game in a way that it never is um which is fine. I'm not like here saying, oh, Kentucky Zero is not a game. I'm genuinely not making that argument. I hope no one listening thinks that I'm making that argument. But I do think the way in which uh, it presents as this is a like a this kind of genre video game with some interesting uh, narrative ideas and some things you're going to do. And then by virtue of taking so long has to become like a multimedia uh, just mammoth of different meta ideas and tricks and mechanics and framings like the the framing is different all the time it's constantly changing and it definitely got to a point for me where it didn't feel like like it felt like the changes were sometimes there for their own sake uh yes eventually the stylistic experimentation became the point like i i got the i got what the game was saying uh pretty early on so it just became noodling with different ideas which is fine it doesn't do them badly i think it works okay as a tone piece but i definitely uh didn't feel like enriched necessarily by the amount of time i spent with the game yeah, by by the end of Act 3, you were playing a research assistant management game through a, like, vector screen that's playing Zork. Uh, and it's in service of the backstory of a character that you're never going to see again after this point. And you're like, what are we doing here? Uh, and, like, it all, like, feed, feeds into the same ideas that the game's been doing, right? Like this... Uh, 
guy is down here making this masterpiece but it'll never be complete and he's estranged with relationships and the, he's like uh stealing away people from the university uh to fund not to fund but because they're in like a weird null space but to create this game and not paying them enough and is himself perpetuating all these cycles blah blah, blah all very like standard stuff in what the game's saying uh but it takes a long time and it has a lot of like experimental uh f- you know non-traditional narrative framing around it which is um fine you know i think some of them work better than others but then there is a point where i've been playing zork for half an hour oh my god i'm going yeah. to die <laughs> you don't you don't need to gamify the dead ends of academic research like you could just tell me about it i understand the world i i get it <laughs> Mm-hmm. and so it becomes like i ask myself am i just being am i just being rude here because i don't i don't i don't want to come off like oh this should just, just be a normal video game press a to jump over i that's an asshole thing to do i don't believe that um but at the same time i did find that some of the um just the stylistic excess of this game it wasn't um wasn't always as uh uh what's the word like because the themes are so constant it's not st- saying anything new when it does a new weird thing yeah Um, it is giving you this often the same material presented in new configurations and doing it mostly for an audience that is going to play this game over the course of what has been seven really terrible years for basically (laughs) everyone i know yes so you you have this like constant drumbeat of the game coming to like a little more concrete realizations like once act three shows like the end of act two and act three really talks about like debt specifically and what that does to people and the ways in which cycles of violence are perpetuated by systems that keep people working and struggling because they don't have any money for the things they need just to live like we're not you know it's not even like thriving it's like just getting health care and food and stuff um to an audience that is increasingly realizing that like you know games journalist jobs dry up everyone's lives are bad you know i made more money in 2013 than i make now um yep the world's different (laughs) like it's it's just terrible (laughs) um and so you get a a game that is prepared like you know increasing the signal noise on the one thing it is saying as the world mostly in at least our spheres is getting more and more radicalized and at some point those those two things cross over i think and it becomes we get it what else do you have if you're the person playing this like coming to this in 2020 a lot of this game i'm like yeah no you've identified the problem correctly like 60 times ago you just keep identifying the problem i get it um and you need to give me like at least a vision of a solution and its final conclusion is i don't know people just need to make what they can out of stuff and everyone can walk away or not and that's a choice everyone can make and i and it's presented as like this really redemptive thing of like it, you just live life man you just choose it and it'll happen regardless and that's all anyone can do in this small world and i was like i don't know what like looking at the wreckage of a shattered community as your like final statement as everyone's like i guess some of you can stay if you want but you know everyone seems to really want to leave because this place sucks um is not like the revolutionary statement i think the game thinks it is like there's like this the game mostly closes on like this big long musical sequence that is this elegy sung for these two dead horses that represented the community and something that was unknown and untamed that represented this spirit of going out there and doing it on your own, even though the world's forgotten you. And it has like this, like, you know, religious quality. It's, it's like a hymn basically being sung. Um, 
but it doesn't gel into anything other than, you know, being sad that that way of life doesn't exist anymore. But that way of life was always a weird bankrupt thing. It's what got that guy into that cave with all of his grad students for se- like 700 years, seemingly in the weird null space of this game. Um, it's what it's what drives people into these weird spaces where they're you know digging around in a collapsed mine in the middle of the night because the, the maybe ghost of their cousin told them to. Yeah. Uh, and I think the game like relishes this idea of like the individual spirit will always rally around new ideas and keep struggling against the system without ever identifying that the system is a thing that is constructed by people that can be fought against because you can collectively like there's no collective action in category zero other than everyone sings a song and is sad together like that's literally it <laughs> well it, it's like a game the, the act five specifically is all about this uh well, i mean company- specifically everyone s- standing around and singing a song together happens in basically every act of the game um yes that's true and it's i i like it every time it's it's cheating um, yes like so the end of the game is that oh, how do we end this everyone comes together and sings a sad song and i'm like oh that's really emotional and it is um like i don't want to like uh downplay that as a as a storytelling tactic but at the same time uh i'm always you're always going to get me that way that's an easy get uh yeah and i think for a seven year game i was expecting more than that level of get of yeah just everyone like, sings a song as we remember the ghost of the past it, uh, like it, in year seven you shouldn't be referencing the same like literary touchstones and like aesthetic obsessions that this game had in 2013 it just feels like they spent seven years making a game and the world changed around them and they ended up not being able to adapt to like the new expectations uh they, they like they made the game bigger and they made it look better uh but they don't change fundamentally what it's saying and because of that like we all got radicalized. The game is still like, like pointing out the, the like situation. Uh, people are out here dying in the streets, fighting the situation. It definitely doesn't have the like feeling of, and this is a bit of a pivot, but you know, it makes sense. Um, you know, when a webcomic has been going forever, right? Yes. And you know, year 10 is just radically different from year. Well, like technically still in continuity or, or, you know, and sometimes not, but the idea is the same person, same, same like direct line, but, you can see their change in interest in a way i feel like there's a lot of attempt in this game to um ensure that the game is a single complete work even while it like balloons hilariously uh in like act four and act five in formal and the content ways but in like tone and storytelling it is always one thing and like like there's an attempt to make that happen whereas i would have much mm-hmm. preferred if they had leaned into the weirdness of releasing a game over seven years yes because um, if, if if you start abandoning and retconning stuff in Act one that's fine it's you know i expect that from a thing that happened over seven years yeah and the place that happens is in the interludes which definitely are timestamps of the eras in which they were released um in ways that I think are really interesting and cool. Do you just want to talk about the interludes a bit? Yeah. Okay. Should we should we talk about the first one? Or do we just, just want to talk about the entertainment? Yeah. Yeah. The, I, the first one's interesting because to me it is it represents like this idea that like they're creating a framework through their like not quite an adventure game, an adventure game that allows them to just give you scenarios that allow you to react to in ways that are not like feedback loops like there's no solution there's no puzzle it's the game is not going to remember that in the way that like we think of games remembering stuff when you say something yeah. uh, it just lets you it, it's like a museum piece where you look at some art and you react to it and then you leave and that's it there's like very little like output 
to the game based on your reactions to the art you see. Uh, it's just something there. And, you know, the, the responses and ways that adventure games have done in the modern era, like kind of guide you in directions of like, these are possible interpretations you could have. And, you know, if you, if you latch onto one of these more than the other, then that's the one you'll pick, but they all seem relatively valid. Um, or they all seem strange in like evocative ways on their own that are also part of the art piece. Uh, like the criticism of museum art also is art in itself, which is, I think, a genuinely good thing. I really like that in the first interlude. Mm-hmm. Um, but then act two or interlude two, uh, just blows this out into a first person theatrical experience that was adapted eventually into VR or was always VR. It's hard. I, I can't really tell the timeline on that, but there is a VR version in which you are sitting at a table in a bar, uh, doing a play, a one, a one person play of just like fiddling with stuff on your bar that has also been mashed together with a, another play by the same playwright about these people at this bar, uh, over this day where like, the bar is going under because the guy keeps st- extending people IOUs because or, uh, credit because nobody has any money because it's a depressed part of the world, you know. Um, and this one girl's ready to move away because she's been paying her family's debts and it's killing her and she's done with it. And he's like, well, if you stop paying, then the whole thing goes up. And uh, there's like this intimation that he's made a deal with the distillery company that every everyone's going to be sacrificed to the distillery company. Like they will work for the distillery company to pay off their debts. At the end, a glowing skeleton comes up to you from behind and it's cool. It's very cool. It's it's the best. <laughs> it's it's the best scene of the game. And um, yes, like it. it, it its shadow is cast over the game in such a huge way because it is one like 20 minute 25 minutes i don't know how long it wasn't counting but it's um yeah well i guess it's like three scenes in a play um, yeah it's it's a short three-act play with some like extra material like you can read reviews of the plays and like production notes uh as you go through it you can look at like the sound cues and the lighting or like what the lighting is but more importantly as a way of like how plays work because it's literally just a play you could just stage this whole play right now be great Um, yes you know um it is a portrait of a community in a way that the game can't really do in its vignettes because of your position as a player who is here to like experience this and walk away even if the like dialogue choices are often framed differently in the game because the game will often have like um you're not picking one character's dialogue in response to another you're just picking the next line of the scene and sometimes that's going to be a like thought bubble line some is a response from someone you can you know they can do anything with that uh but it still generally conforms to the idea of we are in this level we are talking to people and when we interact with people we'll find out something and then we'll move on um whether that is the words written down or not is one thing that is formally what happens in the main acts uh in this you get to have much longer conversations with the people involved and you're not like in them you're watching you're watching a play so like you know you get a sense of the strange relationship between harry and the lady at the bar and her relationship with her husband and then her relationship with the other girl that comes in her her, that girl and her parents and that you know that girl's working at a pawn shop that's um doing the same thing and you know she's uh been she's in charge of selling uh loans to people at the, at the pawn shop because they're also selling debt because there's money in nursery but not uh, not lending uh, and she's doing that because she's the only black person at the store and uh it's better to sell uh sell black people into debt with a friendly face and she knows she's doing this and you know just like all the things the game's about presented di- directly to your face in 20 minutes with a sense of like community and history that the the adventure game format doesn't really uh yeah. allow for 
And so when you then go to like three more acts of vignettes about this exact idea, it's like, oh no, you've already done it. I've got, you did yeah. the whole thing. The, the, the problem with the, the acts themselves versus the entertainment, which is the second vignette, is that like, you are, go- you are one, you are travelers going to new places and hearing stories and then moving on, which automatically presents as like, here is, here is the story of what happened to me. And it is, it is a thing that is like fixed. Here I am at this moment of time. Always, usually always this person is in a moment of crisis. Like, what do I do? Do I leave? Do I stay? Do I, you know, take a kid with me on the road? Do I not do that? Whatever. Um, and then you move on. And also because the game is a five act game that is still coming out, there's always this sense of like, there may be an answer in the next act. These things will be picked up and continued. That is not true of a play where you watch the play, it ends, and that's it. That is the the story that has been told to you. Um, and the very nature of a episodic game precludes that because you're always like, well, in the future, they will give me more of X or Y. I will find out what happened to Conway after he got off the boat. That's never going to happen. They don't do that. <laughs> but you're left, like often people like looking at response to these games, people are left to the expectation that you're going to get like either an answer or you'll go and rescue Conway or he'll come back and he'll be fine or he'll come back and he'll be sad. You just never see him again. It's gone. He's, he's drifted out of the, the framework of the story. Um, and I think those ideas and choices make way more sense in a very limited frame like at play um and in a game they end up creating this strange energy where everything feels like it is building up to a revelation that they have to put in act five because you otherwise the game's over <laughs> um yes. and so they keep they have to kick the can down the road and all you're left with is build up across 800 vectors right like every person has the story that builds the same conclusion and the conclusion is in act five and by that point there's nothing they can do that will answer all of the concerns and thoughts that you have uh, because I, I mean, the people making the game, I don't think have an answer in them. Mm-hmm. And the game's not like the game was never about like resisting these systems. No, um, it is about portraits of how people live under capitalism. Uh, yeah, and everything. Like but, but by wrapping by wrapping that in the framework of mystery, like you are right. delivering a thing to Five Dogwood Drive, that is a mystery. By attaching all of these thematic concerns to a mystery, it implies that when you reach Five Dogwood Drive, not only will you find an answer to where the hell you were going to deliver whatever you were delivering, but that there will be some sort of closure on the ideas presented through the rest of the game. And it fundamentally isn't interested in that. But I no. think by attaching it to like this mystery, it does ask you to consider answers that it's not willing to give, which ends up creating friction that I think is like generally negative towards the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. Yeah. And the other thing, the difference between the game and the um, entertainment is the way I think the game, the, the entertainment does a much better job of portraying like the reasons people make these choices, right? Like it's a, mm-hmm. it's a game of, it, it's a play about Harry and, his relationship with the people in the bar and he has extended them IOUs because he because he cares about them that's the reason the bar hasn't like gone away yet even though he should have been asking them for money uh years ago uh and yet he's also willing to sell them out at the end you you realize and the friction between those things of like oh you don't get sold out necessarily by the power company it's not like the the bad company comes to town and then uh everything is bad because capitalism happened to you uh capitalism happens to you with the people who love you like they they hang you out to dry because they also are in the same boat all the time and like it's it's so well written it's got such a precise sense of like the way these are systems not because like when we say systems we often like think of this as the infrastructure of society but 
it makes it clear these you know, systems are just relations between people that are real and have choices and make those choices based on the pressures and the life available to them. Uh, and the game is about those ideas, but it's it's never that concrete because you don't get a sense of like all the new characters in the party are all like from different places, so they like exist to bring in different contexts and experiences uh, to the party. So you just you just don't get anything like that in the game. Um, and it's yeah, it's just not the same. <laughs> which brings us to the third interlude, which. Um god i have the name up here uh here and there along the echo which uh is in in the version we play it is a you know a rendered phone the phone is different depending on what your choices were in the prior two acts um because fucking video games happened uh <laughs> three acts sorry um and you pick up the phone and there's a little scrap of paper that says like there's one you can only dial one number and you dial this number and it's a phone tree and you go through this phone tree uh that uh it you know gives you information about stuff that's happening it's like the bureau of secret tourism and it gives you you know context and mystery around places that you've been and places that you're going in the future in Kentucky Route zero originally this was a number they set up that you would dial in with your actual last telephone phone and navigate the phone tree because ARGs existed, which was augmented reality game. That's what that is, right? That's pretty sure that that's it, true. And if you don't so. know what that is, God bless you. You live a better life Ultimate than we do. Ultimate reality ARG game, I think? Okay, okay. Yes. ARGs are these basically always, almost always they were wrapped into marketing campaigns and they were just like cool mysteries for people who had a lot of time to explore and then they would write up the experiences and you know a site like otaku is going to tell you about the summary of those experiences you're like that'd be cool but i don't have time to do any of that but it just you know reminds you of a thing that's happening um and then they put one of these in the game and the act of doing so reveals how indulgent and unnecessary args are to me because i just think this is miserable uh i this is the part i started questioning like how does kentucky Route zero specifically as this uh, highbrow art game whose value isn't just in the themes it is expressing in the game it is making but is in specifically the time the labor and the sheer fucking ridiculousness of the things they are doing at this point oh we've yeah, made they, a, a vr theater thing it's about yes. how being poor is bad like fuck off it's also like like it's a cultivated air of like cultural mysteriousness which is different than a mystery it is like the the fact that Kentucky Route Zero is like an unfinished puzzle is part of its selling point. Yes, mm-hmm. and and yeah, it's doing all these things. Like I know it had this the, the VA exhibit and everything. Yes, and at, and at some point I'm thinking like, you know, I don't believe in selling out, and no one does in the same way as the '90s, right? Everyone the perspective on what it means to get paid is different now you got to help yourself you got to look after yourself you got to ensure you are compensated for your work uh even you know we only have the options of engaging with capitalism in front of us as artists you can't we can't actually all uh run to a commune and live together you know even the game's about the game's literally about how you can't do that yeah uh but at the same time it does feel a little sting in the teeth to have hey look here's our weird ARG bespoke thing. We're going to the V&A museum about how much it sucks to be in debt and have to do healthcare and be poor, right? Like, yes. Uh, there becomes a disconnect between the uh, highbrow video game prestige, just the nature of that like community and what that means within games, uh, because games is like a... That, like, ARGs and VR stuff are, look at the artistic potential of this toy for rich people. Um, and it... Yeah, at some point, like I don't think it ruins the game or anything, but I do think uh, it ends up 
uh, giving the game's themes a uh, unsettling context. Yeah. Uh, that does bring us to uh, In Pueblo Donato, which is the last vignette. The last vignette, yes. Yeah. Well, no, there's actually one after the after that five. Sure. If you have anything to say about that, be my guest because I don't. I don't. I, it's fine. I. <laughs> they do. It's okay. We'll just do that one first, I guess, because it's even less yeah. to say. That one's just like a nothing about a person trying to uh, put on a play and it fails, and he's talking with his, his friend and he's at the bar, and the the play of it is to fiddle with a TV while you're watching the conversations in subtitles because they you know the game's not voiced uh, which is fine but uh, you are eventually just reading a script in bullet points while fiddling with the tv and that is definitely a formal exercise that i don't think adds anything also, extra the, to the the, the, also the whole thing is about how sometimes theater's just a fucking mess and you do it because you love it and maybe it's all bad who can say uh to the keystone of this seven year like theatrical experiment and i'm like man I mean, I guess maybe you know that this thing is like a fucking mess, but Jesus Christ, don't put that in your video game. Yep. Don't apologize for the work that people have just spent like 10 hours of their lives playing. Because I guess it comes across as like agreeing with some of the criticisms we have of the game. Yeah. But it doesn't make me feel better about it. <laughs> no, it just seems like another level of like detached, like, you know uh like aestheticism over the top of it like oh yes at the end of all this what is the conclusion we can draw sometimes you do the performance because you believe in it and it turns out that it sucks and that's just life uh artists also struggle under capitalism uh it's bad out here for us too the people who made this game over seven years (laughs) that is like this critical darling i'm sure it was hard i'm sure it was difficult i'm sure that the money was not as good as you think because seven years is a long time to pay people um but also putting it at the very end of your game as your final statement feels like a coward move <laughs> yeah it's it's not a great scene <laughs> anyway and pueblo donada is basically everyone played life is strange and they put life is strange in <laughs> zero for yeah, half an hour <laughs> as sure you did. are you were at this very infamous like uh final broadcast of wevp tv which is this you know local uh public broadcasting station that you know a, a Weaver Marquez, who's Shannon's cousin, worked at, and it's like been important to the plot, like as people reference the thing that happened or whatever. Uh, like you know, uh, there is a side mystery about Weaver one day disappeared, and people kept getting messages from her, and is she a ghost or is she like this weird pirate radio broadcaster? And none of it matters; it doesn't actually resolve whatever. But you're here on this last night at, during a thunder, huge, just incredible thunderstorm that turns out to be the flash flood that we find in act five as you were putting on this basically like public access talk show and it's just the producer standing in the middle of the room looking around in 360 and interacting with things that are highlighted by like life is strange like line art around stuff that you can click on <laughs> yep um and it's so obviously just that that i don't i don't understand like what this means other than like look as life is strange like to me this has to be like we play life is strange we think that it says important things that people should pay attention to it and so we wanted to put a tribute to that to our game um but also we're still just contemporary zero we just did another one of these stories but instead of someone telling you over five text boxes it's a 30 minute interactive experience um that is fine but by that point you're like i i know i know we've done this so many times (laughs) 
Uh, so the, the thing I read up about um, Kentucky Route Zero uh, and the interludes, because I was doing doing the readings, is that this the interlude four is the only part of the game that was like directly created as a response to the 2016 election, which is why it's about like uh, anxieties about immigration. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yes, that makes it so much fucking worse, Jackson. <laughs> No, I've been sitting on this. I read an article the other day. I knew you didn't want to know that. Um, oh no! Because they were talking about like they got a question of like, oh, how much did the the game change based on the 2016 election? Did it change what you were saying about America? And they were like, no, we just added stuff. We just added the 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 uh, uh, this fourth interlude to focus more on them, uh, like anxieties about immigration and. Uh, like legacies of indigenous people and stuff like i mean what that means is that like and this is i mean i don't don't know how much we're going to talk about it but we will definitely talk about we will link to some pieces that people should read but like the extent to which category zero exists in a part of the world that one like its legacy is like there were indigenous peoples here americans came like you know europeans came over colonized this area created a country that was built on chattel slavery um that you know obviously went away after the civil war and it what came instead was the thing that they are saying was the like the rot of society which was we now created a stronger classism for white people to suffer under these things that we subjected other people to before but all of that is forgotten history this is our history the legacy of the great elegant american poets and the you know very white towns that are left behind destroyed by mining and construction and manufacturing um mm-hmm. is fucking wild it's what so it's wild in the way of like the the ending of the game left me very uh mixed in specifically in this regard right because you see all these ghosts and they're ghosts of the town but they're also metaphorical ghosts of the people that came before uh and there's a line of like you know we could build something new but it's built on graves the world is always built on graves um which felt a bit like you you cannot you cannot make a game about healthcare and tell me you've made a game about colonialism like it it feels like that's kind of what happened because like they had yes. they, they got to the point where this this is where the seven years sort of shows their head and changes the game right because you can't just make a game about how debt and healthcare is bad in in 20, 2013 even 2016 right like but now if you're making that game about america you have to acknowledge this and they do but really only in the last act and in a way that's like you didn't do the groundwork for this specifically the last act is in this town that is devastated and this camera is positioned in the center of a town and you're following a cat that runs around and listens to people talk basically uh whatever that part's not really that important but the camera is positioned directly over a like spiral mound that has been there you know forever it's implied to be like an indigenous burial site that the town was built up around and whenever anyone asks about it they're like oh that thing it's just kind of been here forever we don't really ask too many questions about it and then it ends with we're building this upon the graves and they specifically mean like the people in the town definitely mean the graves of the family members we buried in the houses we are abandoning not right. the burial ground that we've built our entire society upon in the first place but the game definitely wants to gesture that without ever act- to draw actually a line committing two yes yeah yeah like starting again on top of uh the people abused by capitalism is the same thing as america like yes and it's a really uncomfortable line to draw like you can't do that you are yeah. fully out of your depth at this point yes you know, I mean, I make that criticism, but I would also be out of my depth trying to make a game about that stuff. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I just wouldn't touch it. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, there's a really great piece by Lotus, right? Yes. That we will link. Uh, there's a couple pieces, one by our friend Grace. Um, and if you want, like, you know, we've kind of spent this time talking about the ways in which this game did not work for us. If you would like very similar opinions to ours that are like literally often the same responses we had as we were playing and on this podcast, but come to a broader conclusion that is like more positive, you absolutely have to read, uh, Austin Walker's review, friend of the show, obviously. Um, that uh, he wrote for Waypoint earlier this year as the thing concluded that is we were I read this I'm like shit this is our entire podcast if we had done <laughs> yeah. this podcast a little more straight like we typically do it would have literally just been Austin's review but the conclusion at the end would have been negative instead of positive um yes. just down the board uh it's really good you absolutely have to read it I basically consider it a companion to this episode it's very nice to have friends with great work that I can point to Grace is also a friend has a very good piece um that is more specifically about like the idea of religiosity in this game. Cause that's where Grace's interest set is. Um, it's good. Um, the, all three of those pieces, essential reading on this. Yeah. And also like, I didn't hate the game, right? Like we've complained about it in a thematic sense, but we haven't really talked about any of the specific vignettes because I don't know what the purpose is. Like be like talking about skits on a slice of life anime. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, but, I enjoyed them. I enjoyed going to the place. I enjoyed the most of them. Yeah, not hundred, not hundred percent batting average, but I mean, like the game is well written and enjoyable tone, enjoyable tonally as you progress through these stories. Yes, like, we are focused on the thematic stuff. We're not saying it's like a huge disaster of bad things. To, you know, you can put this up against um, the big video games that come out. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yes. I get how this is revolutionary when. Uh, you know, you've just played God of War, and that's your idea of what a serious video game is. Yeah, if you play The Last of Us and go to Kentucky at Zero, holy shit, no wonder this is, like, you know, game of the decade for people. Yeah. Um, I just I just think if you look past the idea that, like, there aren't enough games like this, it, it consists, like, internally does not hold up enough uh, on the things it wants to say. Um, but specifically, I am thinking about the podcast me and Austin did two months ago, or one month ago, two episodes ago, about uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, which... Um, is about many of the same ideas, obviously. Uh, yeah. Not as well, but I enjoy. I I came out of that like, oh, this game was it was fine, interesting, and good. It had some things to say about why killing the planet is bad. Well, all the all the societies are for some reason weird libertarians because it hasn't drawn the line between environmental and corporate abuse and capitalism. But whatever, it'll be fine. I'll play the next one. And this is like so much more intricate. But I'm like, oh man, you can't talk about colonialism this way, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I just want to like point out I'm aware of the double standard, but the game invites the double standard upon itself by saying, hello, I'm like a, the great American novel when it starts. Yes. Uh, but I do want to like say that to, to point out that i'm aware of the like sometimes ridiculous double standards and different contexts by which we talk about video games because we're used to like things the like <sighs> yeah. context of what video games are i mean this is this is the problem right you're going your my our expectations are so much lower for big triple a games that we are always going to tr like even if we hate them more we are going to treat them critically with like a less intense like you know review that i would treat this because this game supposedly speaks to my interests and in, like you know the things i think about the world so when i go in i'm gonna go <laughs> in harder um yes but it's also true that my disappointment is greater <laughs> yes <laughs> like i i think there's like really good stuff here i'm mostly glad i played it but like i also don't like this game more than i don't like like mario odyssey which is a game that i think is genuinely pretty shitty most of the time <laughs> Mm -hmm. and like disappointing in a way of like 
I love Mario games. This should be the yeah. perfect game. And it's not. Like it, yeah, but it's just a different thing. Yeah. Um, so it's hard when you talk about criticism like that, I guess. Yes. Yes. Which is to say that I guess I, I think, I think I don't like Kentucky Road Zero is the thing. I think, I don't, I think it's <laughs> mostly kind of like not worth your time. Um, you should play the entertainment. Shit. That thing's great. But then that's it. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> you really just need to play that. Uh, and I think you can just get it standalone. Like I think it's still just up for free if you want it. So. Yeah, God, it's it's so good. Yes, it's so much better than the rest of the game. I, like the actual the actual thing that really changed between uh, you know 2013 and 2020 is that what indie games are became so big to me that like they're they're not interesting in the way they were in 2013. Like well, if I want a cool experience, I am just going to go look for an itchio. There was like something inherently or maybe there wasn't but to me being a 19 year old in 20 in 2013 there was something inherently interesting and inherently like in opposition uh to we're making a cool indie game no matter what it was right like that just afforded you uh my time in a way it does not necessarily now (laughs) yeah um because of you know the last seven years have happened uh and both games and i have changed (laughs) Yeah, but even like even in 2013, the idea of what an indie game was is so different. Yes. Like, you know what came out 2013? Battle Block Theater, <sighs> which is like which is like two generations removed from a flash game you wanted to play, and it's just not a thing you wanted. Like even when Castle Crash came out, I'm like, this is not it. I paying money for this is a mistake. This is like a fair, cool thing on Newgrounds. <laughs> Battle Block Theater was like really out of step and out of date with the times. <laughs> yes, I know, but I'm just saying like. The, to me, a lot of indie games that come out now are still like this. Like, Greed mm-hmm. came out last year. Oh, God, Greed did come out last year. Did you actually play it? No! <laughs> what if it's good? What if we're talking out of our ass? Maybe. Maybe we are. But I'm just saying, like, like 700 sad platformers come out every year now. And a lot of them are made with, like, real money and effort put behind them and backed by, like, actual studios or people, like, publishers who are going to bankroll those things. And none of them are as interesting as the bullshit that people, like, the sad platformers people are making in 2012, you know? Um, they're all saying the same thing. And whether they were good or not is, like, a matter of taste and when they hit you in your life and whatever. But, like... The games don't change. Like there were Kentucky Road Zeros that didn't become Kentucky Road Zero that mm. have existed and, and are forgotten to time. Yeah, of course there are. There always are. Yeah, the, the the you know the very sad, thoughtful. We really like Twin Peaks, but we want to set it in all our back, neck of the woods games. There's there's like a hundred of those. <laughs> I mean, there's there's everyone loves Twin Peaks and wants to set it in their neck of the woods. It's like yes, <laughs> the biggest genre on earth. Yeah. Um, so it's weird. I guess I, I guess that's all I have to say about Kentucky Zero.
If you would like to send us questions, you can do that at podcast.abnormalmapping.com. Stay tuned after our questions when we talk about our next game club where uh, we have a special request for questions. So, you know. Uh, our first question is from our good friend Spam who wrote in, uh, I want to know that you, now that you've played it, if you think Kentucky Route Zero is art, because that's obviously the most important question about the game. Oh, it's fucking odd. It's so it odd. Is, it, it, there's, you know what? I honestly don't know if I can think of too many more games. Maybe ten games more art than Tiger Hit Zero. There's nothing. There's there's no game that could be more art than this. They fucking made a phone and then went to the V&A museum. Yeah. <laughs> God, they I know really I did. keep harping on that, but it's just this <laughs> most bougie shit in the world. Yes. Would you like to read our next email, Jackson? Um. Yeah, I will do my best. This is a very long email. Uh, comes in from Ryan. Uh, says, uh, enjoyed your Halo, Halo episode. Thank you. Got excited when uh, you're doing Kentucky Route Zero next as it's my favorite game. I'm sorry. Um, first, have you been following the stuff the devs did related to the game during the time the game came out? I mention this because although it's not directly pointed out in the game itself, the interludes uh, reference special events the devs up in real life, which we were just kind of talking about. For example, Limits and Demonstrations had an actual art exhibit based on itself in Philadelphia. Here and there had some actual physical phones, which we did mention. Um, the most important one is uh, didn't make the game, however, uh, is the WEVP video database related to uh, Un Pueblo de Nada, uh, found here. The evening broadcast and the Aunt Connie PSAs especially provide important context. Uh, you can find a lot of these videos at Cardboard Computer's YouTube channel as well. Uh, knowing about this stuff uh, brings a new dimension to things and is really cool. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll mention that in a, in a second uh, as we get to this actual question here. But yes, we did. We knew kind of about that and uh, have some complicated thoughts about it, as you heard. Uh, as for the actual question I have, do you find Kentucky Route Zero has an argument at its center for taking revolutionary action? Was it more about presenting a particular world as it is than offering a solution to it? Uh, I'd lean towards the latter, but maybe not 100%. The game focuses on people's psychology under capitalism at a human level. And this is to say that it does not, textually at least, go deep into ideological conversations about what we must do next. Uh, as the choice to stay or leave the town strikes me more as a personal choice for the characters than a political statement. Uh, that being said, I do think it tries to say something about the need to ceremoniously shed, shed old ideas related to individualism in the interest of building a stronger and kinder community. This is shown with Conway's departure from the story as the individual protagonist at the beginning of Act 1, uh, filled with guilt he bears alone, slowly makes way for an entire plurality of playable characters that become a people unto themselves, um, and with the twist at uh, the end of Death of the Hired Man that breaks away from Frost's fatalism in the poem with a note of hope, instead of dying like a worker in the poem, Brandon is allowed some rest. For another day uh thank you for reading this and good luck with the episode um no no the game the game does not uh present a, like a solution it's just not a, it's not interested in that it never was yeah i think it's the thing is like there's no clear obvious answer to these kind of questions i do think the game is like very not in like there's a difference between recognizing that the answer is difficult and there is no clear, obvious one and like seemingly being afraid of talking about like coming together and, you know, collective action and doing something. And I, I think the game actually ends up falling into that camp in a way that I find very frustrating. I mean, it's vision of collective action in the, the like the utopia, the tragic utopia at the end of the game yes. is like a world apart from capitalism, which is not. Yeah. 
what anyone thinks about when they say collective action because the, the the metaphor is like you have to take the zero here because they cut themselves off from all roads you can't get here by traditional means this is a ref like a clear metaphor for like being uh exempt not exempt from capitalism but being apart from it and thus unable to support yourself with the infrastructure that 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 affords uh and the game's about how you can't do that but collective action doesn't that's not what you know that's like a, it suddenly becomes a game about the viability of communes <laughs> or you know just that kind of way of thinking in a way that that's never where my brain goes when i think about what it means to bring people together under capitalism yeah specifically one of the things that doesn't sit well with me or it sits well is the wrong word but like the way that conway leaves the party right and this email makes a point that like the in- this individual protagonist of the genre is eventually disappears and replaced with like a group of diverse and interesting people that represents like more than just the sad man redemption thing that it's doing at the start um mm. which is true but at the same time i think the way the he just becomes the worst version of himself and then gets on a and disappears it 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 just doesn't that doesn't happen to people right like the idea that a person can just be lost to capitalism in the way that he is is so strange uh in the metaphor of the game because when i think about what it means to build connections with people and to build like ways of interacting with others that are not centered around uh uses under like as, as like uh competitive agents of an evil system um I don't think about like building a way to escape that. I think about how you keep going in the face of getting that bad job, right? Like, I don't think about the artists on the run from getting a job. I think about the person who's working, you know, who the people working for the distillery. They still have to come home. They still have to live their life. So they could organize. They, the all possibilities of the game is uninterested in exploring. The game definitely presents of like once you are lost to debt, that is, you have lost your humanity in a way that these, you know, uh, free artists that are uh struggling because they don't have any money but they're not like tied down to the system man in a way that is weird and i think dated in the game's approach to its capitalism stuff yeah um sorry i went on a bit of a while there but yeah that was uh was our answer there we have an email from Gary. Uh, I originally started Kentucky Route Zero as it was coming out act by act. At the time, I played acts one through three with a distinct lack of critical reading. Uh, everything I didn't understand just felt like strange, surreal choices rather than thematic ones. I remember not understanding the visual metaphor of Conway's glowing skeletal leg. Uh, I didn't have a clear takeaway for the end of act three. I understood Conway got in a weird predatory job, but playing through it again this year, I can clearly see that's just capitalism, baby. Uh, the question is, is there any work where you've had a very surface level reading once, but then revisit it and got a much deeper understanding anything i you know read before 2005 uh, 2015 i mean the the answer for both of us i think is star trek in a very real way Ooh, yeah along multiple lines yeah along multiple lines uh yeah no star trek for sure yes that's the one that's now i mean it's basically one. everything i grew up liking i feel like this is true of but yep for sure. Um, this is a question from Alex. Uh, a few que- an email from Alex. A few questions. Um, says, uh, I picked this game up a little after Act 4 came out. I had different thoughts about games then, so my expectations for Act 5 would go uh, were wildly different 
um, i.e. The, tr- the crew trading their IOU for a certain character. And then years later, Act 5 did come out. Uh, I replayed the game, met the playwright, um, paid attention to the power company, and even listened to a lot of bluegrass. Initially, I didn't know what to think about the final chapter when I played it, but I did appreciate the final interstitial being about how sometimes things just don't work out, but that doesn't have to be the end. On a replay to prepare this episode, I am in isolation and watching my country absolutely... Yeah actively sabotage potential for a better world and i really appreciate the question of whether a world outside capitalism is possible it definitely is but it will take a great deal of work like burying two horses or digging digging a drainage ditch uh questions are who's your favorite character uh Um, for me it's junebug i think junebug and johnny are like the most like together like trying to make something out of nothing people in the story um Mm -hmm. and i i liked their whole arc throughout i i was surprised because uh they showed up like i don't know about these two this seems a little goofy as like an aside to introduce this game but i just think they've got good heads on their shoulders (laughs) yeah i like them as well i think shannon's probably still my favorite but Mm -hmm. definitely they ended up not really going places by the end like shannon even in act one is like oh this is the character that thinks that self-sacrifice is like what being noble and believing in something is and she's kind of just that by the end of act five also (laughs) yeah the the whole idea that like the end of act four she's like we must complete this delivery for him is an important thing to do (laughs) is so strange because like it is because they're delivering a metaphor right (laughs) like only because they're delivering a metaphor otherwise it is taking on someone else's debts and the game i don't think the game really like it does know that that is like you know it's, it does do that on purpose but it still feels weird i don't think it plays well, the game like the-, the game thinks it's noble that shannon and uh and conway are the characters who believe that that's a noble thing to do and yes it, but it also says that this is like a monstrous thing like i still think it even though the game is so much explicitly trying to push back on this idea i think it can't help but indulge this idea that like the people who struggle under debt and this world are actually the most noble people of all look yes. at all of these beautiful pores living out in the woods oh uh, yeah no it, it does get a bit knives out um uh, god <laughs> yeah uh which interstitial is your favorite let's pick for most interesting that would be the entertainment <laughs> yeah absolutely not even close um uh, what do you think weaver wanted shannon to see in the mine conway uh that is the right answer <laughs> she's making the plot happen <laughs> yes every time she shows up she's making the plot happen yeah um uh who among the K- kentucky Route zero crew kisses the homies goodnight uh it is gene bug and johnny ezra would that's because he's eventually adopted into that same family yeah that's fair uh they're amazing they're good they're, they're good uh, this is very important did you save the dog so here's my thing i don't know what this question means i don't know because homer does disappear after as, as so for me homer is like standing on the opposite side of the shore of shannon when you cut and you see uh yes, conway same. get in the boat and then like uh, homer it. just walks off and that's it that's the last time i saw homer as well i didn't know yeah. you could save the dog i just like at some point homer was away and then it cut to black because the the game's the game's main trick is cutting to black and having an enigmatic title card <laughs> yeah um okay 
Uh, we have a question from Axe here. Uh, do you feel like the sheer amount of choices that change the check text in very academic presenting game hurts the chance of reading it critically? The characters are forefronted so much, and yet nothing about them feels important because how the severe the possible changes to their characterization wants and needs are. For me, all subtext, or at least my willing to, willingness to engage with it, is out the door when you aren't going to give your audience the whole text. In visual novels or even something like Disco Elysium, it is more clear where and when the given text, form, and theme changes. But in Conticular Zero, it feels like an unsorted pile. Um, I think that the, you can't, this is, this is Ebert's argument. I mean, like it's yes. easy glib to say this, but his whole thing was like, because games are interactive, you aren't getting the, the directed authorial experience. Thus it can't be art. Um, which yeah. is outrageous and wrong because the idea that you're not engaging with like the idea that you're not interacting with any text is like ridiculous. You grab onto different things that are important to you. You skim other things. The way it hits your brain is very different. Uh, like you, you are not the author. So you have to be different than them. So the, the interaction is inherent in the system. Like it doesn't matter if you're seeing all the text or not. Um, that's always the reality of reading anything. And like, I don't necessarily agree, but this email is a critical reading <laughs> like saying these yes. things about the game is that it that is you've done it that's that's the thing um yeah. like uh i i ended up thinking that the I, I liked the way that the text works in the game i think that um you know it gets up his ass a bit too much uh, yes when there was one where you're like looking the one in the museum where you're actually it's like suddenly from the perspective of the people you don't see off screen watching this happen talking back about it later uh like that kind of stuff is a bit too much for me but uh generally yes. I, I i liked when it was like you chose one character's uh, response then you chose a different character response and you can choose however which character says what. i will say i did like it when it was people reviewing tapes of you being into the facility like four years ago <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i guess you, you take your own bullshit <laughs> yes you like the genre stuff you like i guess yeah um and yeah, for me, it's just like, you have to, like, the idea that, like, the only real text is when you have read every, like, inch of it and understand it completely and it is all presented to you cleanly. That's how you get, like, the Bioware games that literally include their own internal wiki for you to read every time you have a conversation. Here's another bit of text about what the fucking Asari mean or whatever. Um, that's no way to live your life. Yes. Uh. Um, there's a question here about whether or not you think the game, they, we think the game is like actually saying co like deep things about megacorps and migrancy and class and identity. And I feel like we've our feelings on that, that are pretty clear. <laughs> we've covered that. <laughs> yes. So we have one more question. Yeah, one more question. Um, this is from our friend Regs, I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, I don't, don't anyone else call regression. Uh, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, says hello both of you hope you're doing all right uh playing through this game for a second time has been an utterly different experience for me uh, my first time playing as a release resolved for me around uh the array of constructive realities and reddishes the game occupies and uses itself to relate to the player uh, all the ways it uses theatricality virtuality or weird and sublime to switch between these registers the second time uh, it looked vastly more concerned with the material issues uh, that reside firmly within the textual world of the game, capital, work and debt, family heritage, health and medicine, uh, about Kentucky as it as places like it figure into the imagination. Um, this is what, yep, no, this has happened to all of us. I feel like we all became materialist critics uh, over the last few years. Uh, the intervening time has clearly transformed the tools and uh, transformed the tools with and context in which I look at media. I'm not at all surprised this is the direction my attention has moved, 
I wanted to ask about whether this is a game that could ever have been about the intertextual and reality of breaking stuff, or did I just get taken in taken in by the uh, fancy literary fireworks that were new to me? Whether you feel the aspect of this game uh, pulls in the same direction as the text, given how radically different and separate the questions I brought to the game were, uh, and whether it actually worked for you, uh, bearing in mind how iffy you were about uh, the slides in that direction in Disco Elysium. Oh. Sorry, that was a <laughs> lot to unpack in that question. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing I would say is the... Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I think this game specifically is always using those, like, the, the meta and formal experimentation stuff as a, like, lens... It's a. It is about the things. It is obviously about the material stuff. Is so at the center of the game that to argue this is like a game about unrealities and f- constructed fictions and uh, meta text and stuff is like you make that argument. There's a lot of that in the game, but it's always in service of the other thing, like every time, uh, in a way that I think that uh, you like you can have games about <laughs> that are all entirely formal experimentation. This just doesn't happen to be one of them. I mean, the thing is, if you go too far down the road of, like, talking about the ways in which your world is all bent up and weird, it becomes lore. Like, the thing I think of is not, like, Disco Elysium. I think of uh, Stephen King's The Dark Tower Mythos, which is, like, an intersecting giant story that, like, touches on all of his works and is, like, a metafiction. Stephen King himself is in it um, at some point, and it, it's just... The, it, it's about the like creative process as, as like a metaphor and the ways in which writers touch on worlds that are like similar to them and those worlds like touch back and affect them and stuff like that. But also it ends up becoming about like specifically a world where like the Ethereum knights were Sergio Leone characters instead of knights. And I uh, like the lore becomes ponderous and it becomes a giant seven book saga because if you get invested in like explaining or investigating the like weird the weird has no bottom because it's weird right like the, yes. the, the you either you either create a concrete answer that is unfulfilling or you just go all the way down the rabbit hole until you don't even know what you're talking about anymore um and I, I just think that both of those are like traps at some point you just have to cut it off and be like the mystery is the appeal uh and there can be no answer because any answer would inherently pop the bubble of the thing you've created yeah uh, that is very true um uh, i also just tend to tend to like make materialist reads of things just what i bring to the works right like that's who i am i'm always gonna yeah. focus on that like i get annoyed when people tell me that metal gear solid 2 is a game mostly about video games it's a game about america obviously um but that's just me right mm-hmm. um, it is what it is it's not that deep um so yeah you know uh all right i think that's it for emails if you would like to send us emails uh next time you can do that podcast at normalmapping.com um this one was a real humdinger for us it was kind of a rough week trying to get this all put to bed and handled i mean obviously everyone's going through it the world is in a bad state um you know we are both of us are mostly safe at home but um it's been two months and that weighs upon your mind in a certain way and also every time i go to the store i'm surrounded by now 800 people without masks so i have a panic attack yep. um so it's been hard it's been hard to just be a person it's harder now than it was six weeks ago when no one was going to the store um 
my sister's going to school next week. Like, it's what the yeah. fuck. So we're we're not like we're not taking a month off, obviously. But we're gonna we're gonna punt a little on our work, and next month we're gonna have a smaller game, and we're going to be playing Ninja Gaiden for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, it's gonna probably be a short episode, so uh, because you know it's a it's a slight game, and there's not a ton to talk about. Probably it remains to be seen, I guess. But um, just you know, play something fun where you have a jump and attack, and you don't have to think too hard about themes too much. Uh, enjoy a goddamn video game for once. Um, <laughs> but in light of that, we would really like questions about video games in general. Like if you want to load us up on stupid shit, if you want our if you want our opinions on Bioshock Infinite, we'll give them to you. Um, please, not too many of those, God. Um, but if you want to ask whatever you want to ask about video games, video game culture, whatever, load us up. We'll just have a really good episode where we answer a ton of questions. So please, podcast at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, you can send them in now. We will remember because, yeah, you know, yeah, that, it's months away. It's a month away. So, but like this call will be forgotten by the time it's question time. So if you, yeah. if you've got some questions, send them in now. And if you have other ones later, send them in later. It's fine. We're going to have a whole yes. question bucket if we get enough, you know, uh, yeah. which we, we don't usually, we don't like a questions heavy podcast because of the nature of the thing, uh, which is mm-hmm. why I wanted to, you know, go out of my way to uh, put up the call this time. Yeah. All right. Uh, that said, it is time for plugs. Jackson. It's time for plugs. You can find me at headfullsoff on twitter.com. You can find the podcasts uh, that me and M do at abnormalmapping.com. There are a whole bunch of cool ones there. Uh, you and Autumn, for example, just put out uh, your Spirited Away episode of And There in an Airplane, your Studio Ghibli podcast. Yeah. Uh, if you would like to find me on Twitter, I am at EM underscore being. If you would like to support this podcast and all of our podcasts, you can do that at patreon.com slash abnormal mapping. For $1 a month, you get the Great Gundam Project, which is me and Jackson watching Gundam two episodes a week. Right now, we are in Gundam Wing, which has been incredible. Uh, love it. We're also watching Space Runaway Ideon, which is also good. Also love it. It's a very different thing, though. Um, but, you know, if you want to watch the Gundam that turned uh, the West into Gundam fans, Gundam Wing, it's here. It's streaming. Unlike most of our other Gundams, you can just get it. It's on, like, Verve or Crunchyroll. Um, so check it out. The dub's on Hulu, if that's your speed. Yeah, no, a lot of places to get Gundam Wing. It's a great show. Please enjoy. Yeah. Um, until then, we'll be back, talk about some video games. And uh, what we're actually going to do this month is Jackson's going to hopefully fucking play Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> I've heard of a land of joy and peace and wonderful life. Oh, I need to. I need to be free. I need to be free. What if I could be free of Kingdom Hearts? A beautiful place of mansions fair and skies so bright. What if I told you tomorrow <laughs> Kingdom Hearts could be over? The Keyblade War could be over. <laughs> Where all who believe the Savior dear forever shall stay. Isn't that worth fighting for? Isn't that worth dying for? And having been saved by grace divine, I'm going that way. They should fucking put the ma- I know it's a WB thing, but it'd be so much cooler. I'm going <laughs> that way. What if Sora talked to Neo? I'm going that He's way. He's fine replace uh, pirates with Kingdom uh, the Matrix. Yes, dear, oh, the Savior I adore is with me each day. I'm clinging to him and never to stray.
Just singing praises all day long. I'm going that way. Well, glorious news I tell and sing as onward I go. For those who are still astray in sin, my Savior may know. I want them to sing that praise above some beautiful day. For glory to Him who died for me, I'm going that way. I know I shall meet Him at the gate when trials are past. I know I shall meet Him face to face in glory at last. Oh, I believe that when we meet, well done, He'll say. While trusting my soul and deep in love, I'm going that way. I'm going that way. I'm going that way. Yes, dear, the Savior I adore is with me each day. I'm clinging to Just singing praises all day long I'm going that way